Welcome to What's Happening in Harm Reduction, news and information affecting public health. Here's Mark Spahn. What is a drug consumption room or supervised injection facility? Today, we'll talk about SIFs, supervised injection facilities, how they work, what they do, and where they are. I had the opportunity to talk with three people with direct experience in this area. Peter Frerichs, a former police official in Frankfurt, Germany, Dr. Marianne Johnsey from King's Cross, Australia, and Senator Larry Campbell from Vancouver, Canada. Dr. Marianne Johnsey is the medical director of the Sydney, Australia Medically Supervised Injecting Center. This was the first supervised injecting service in the English-speaking world. I asked Dr. Johnsey about her facility. We're a pretty humble-looking service from the outside. From the street, all you will see is some frosted glass windows and a doorway. Once you come inside, there is a reception area where you will see a smiling face behind a desk um, and somebody to have a conversation with you. And if you're somebody who's going on to use the service, we'll have a brief registration process before we take you then through to the next stage of the service. In the next area, there is... um, quite a clinical space with eight booths, each of which can sit up to two people. So at any one time we can have 16 people present and there is availability of clean injecting equipment. We've been providing clean injecting equipment in Australia since the late 1980s. So that's nothing new at all. But what is new is that the service is the only place in Australia where it is legal rather than illegal to be in possession of small quantities and to self-administer those quantities on the premises. So that's the activity that is actually occurring 80 hours a week in the stage two section of the service, which is obviously confronting for some, but we've learned after 15 years the clear benefits of actually being present while that activity occurs. First and foremost, often that's intervening in the event of an emergency, and so we have oxygen available and nurses available who can provide emergency airways, support, breathing for somebody, oxygenating their brain so that it doesn't get damaged in the process of an overdose, and obviously preventing people from dying. Um, Once people have finished using at the booth, which can take anything from a few minutes up to an hour, depending on what they're using, what state they're in, what their veins are like, they will discard of their injecting equipment safely at the booth and then move to the next stage of the service or the the chill-out room where people again can spend a period of time where they're safe, where they're out of the public eye, they can have a tea and coffee, they can have something to drink and in a much more informal and importantly judgment-free zone they can start engaging with the staff as healthcare workers about some of the things that, that they may you know, want to look at in that in their lives. Sometimes that's to do with drugs and drug treatment. Often it's other stuff. It's to do with being homeless. It's to do with being hungry. It's to do with being sick. So our staff will really try and meet the person where they're at and try and respond to the needs that that person has at that particular time. Senator Campbell served with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in 1969, at one point working in the narcotics unit. In 1981, he worked with the coroner's office in Vancouver and became chief coroner in 1996. He went on to become mayor of Vancouver and is now a senator with the Canadian government. He describes the supervised injection site in Canada. The supervised injection site in Vancouver is 
really inno innocuous place. You wouldn't know it was there unless somebody pointed it out to you. When you walk in through the door, there's a person there. Uh, you have a an ID number that's exclusive to you. Uh, you check in there. You go in through the door, and when you walk in, as you look from the left to the right, there's 12 stations that are divided up into cubicles. Stainless steel, all clean, uh, ambient light, not harsh. You would get uh, a kidney tray full uh, that would have a syringe, would have alcohol swabs, would have a tie-off, a cooking spoon, and sterile water. And you would go and you would sit down, and behind you, would, at any given time, would be two registered nurses, either standing or sitting at the desk, and they just watch. You know, if you're having any difficulties, they're there to help you. Then you go from there into a chill room where you can have a coffee, and at that point, you can access all kinds of different resources. We have uh, nurses there. We have people dealing with housing. We have people dealing with clothing. We have mental health professionals. On the second floor, we have on-site, which is a detox. So if you're addicted, you, you're continually trying to get off, but you have to be, it has to be available so they can go up to there and they can spend a period of weeks there before they go to the third floor that we have now, which is uh, actual uh, getting you into a program. So it's very comprehensive, it's very quiet, it's not like you would think that there's rowdiness going on, it's, it's really quiet. Engaging law enforcement has been an important piece of the success of these injection facilities. In Germany, the concept was at first confrontational, but soon both sides came together. Peter Frerichs is the former vice president of the Frankfurt, Germany police, where he served for 45 years. From 1987 to 1999, he was in charge of coordinating harm reduction policy in Frankfurt. The supervised injections uh, did grow up. When we, the harm reduction side and the police side with law enforcement came together in 1992, the time before we fought against each other. Everybody has his side, police uh, has the mean only repression as a way and the harm reduction side has only harm reduction as a side and it lasts about one year until we came together. Dr. Marianne Johnsey also spoke about the interaction of police with the injection facility in Australia. So I think we're very lucky from the very beginning to have had pragmatic police on side who understood that they didn't want to keep calling the next of kin for the dead bodies that they were finding in terms of overdose victims. We had three people dying a day in Australia in 1999, which was when the first um, agreement to open a SIF you know, came about in Australia. So I think we have always had broad police support for the notion of an injecting centre in this particular area. And that is incredibly important. We can't operate our service, even with the legislation that allows us to open our doors. If we didn't have police support, they could just pick up everybody five metres from our front door because it, it remains illegal at that point. So I think we work very hard at having a constructive relationship with police. I make sure that they have my contact details and my mobile phone number and I will take a call from them at any time. And equally, if I have any issues or I'm having problems with any of, of you know particular officers on the street, I will immediately pick up the phone and call our local area commander. So I think that's absolutely essential um, in order for any kind of SIF to actually effectively operate. And I hope it can be a two-way street. You know, I'm a healthcare worker. I don't try and tell police how to do their job. 
neither do they tell me how to do our job. I think we can be mutually respectful, understanding we have different roles, but that at the point that we intersect and meet, we need to work as, as well together and as best we can together for the best possible outcomes of the people that we, that we share, if you like. Senator Campbell also spoke about police interaction with OnSite, the Vancouver injection facility, and how his experiences as a police officer influenced him. Well, I went from enforcing a law to uh, my aim in life was to keep people alive. So I, I knew the police background on this, and I had great support. In, in Vancouver, we've had wonderful support from the police, mainly because they recognize the futility of what they're being asked to do. You arrest a heroin addict, he's got you know a cap or a flap from down here, he goes, into, he goes into jail overnight, he goes before a judge, he gets a $50 fine and he's back out on the street. And he's still addicted and he's still having to commit crime to take care of the disease that he has called addictions. The public health officials I've spoken with will tell you that injection facilities are not a silver bullet, but they stress that they can be and are part of a toolkit to address persons with addiction. Larry Campbell. A safe injection site is simply part of a, a kit. Uh, it's like methadone, it's like needle exchanges, it's like condoms being distributed. Um, it, it, it's, like, it's like saying that the only way that you can cure addiction, or well, put it into remission, is through abstention. No, that's not true. Certainly you can do it by abstention, but the whole gamut, the continuum of care, as with any health, health issue, runs from basically abstention over to the minority who are going to have to be on heroin maintenance. Uh, any, any other disease, the doctor gives you a, a variety of, uh, you know, how, how radical do you want to get here? Again, here's Peter Frerichs, formerly of the Frankfurt, Germany Police. I, by myself, in my position in the headquarters, was um, able to say our colleagues agree in that and help all these people. You heard about drug-related test cases in Frankfurt. In 1991, we had 146 in a year. And in the last years, only about 20. Listen to more of my discussion with Dr. Marianne Johnsey on supervised injection facilities in Part 2. She talks about the drug problem in Australia, her first day working in the injection facility, including some unusual and unsafe procedures by drug users, and why she says that the Australian facility is a success. Thanks for joining us for What's Happening in Harm Reduction. Share your thoughts with us at info at spawngroup.com. <laughs>